With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Football season is all about competition. When it comes to tailgating, that competition isn't limited to the playing field. Start with better meat from Fairway. Hand cut, fresh, and affordable. Fairway gives you the advantage in tailgating excellence. Get ready for kickoff with the best selection of meats and all the fixings from Fairway. HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. In this installment of the HN Podcast, we're going to talk about Iowa's 18-17 to 17 win uh, against Iowa State. It was quite... Quite the evening. There was nearly three hours of delays. Total elapsed time from the game when it began was five hours and 53 seconds to completion. Uh, the game was delayed two hours and 55 minutes. So it actually there were more delays than there was elapsed time uh, of, of gameplay. So I spent a good 23, 24 minutes talking about things uh, from my Instant Reaction podcast. There are a few things I'm going to bring up to get your take on, but we'll begin uh, with your thoughts on the game. Well, a couple, I think, big time, big uh, picture. I don't want to, I'm not labeling my thoughts big time. I meant to say big picture, sorry. A couple of big picture thoughts. Number one, if you could ever give Kirk Ferentz sodium pentothal, if you're an Iowa fan, about the times, all those times they played the percentages, all those times they've won or lost a game, 21-17, and all those times we've ever done that podcast or, or radio broadcast that you and I have done that show, I don't know how many times over the years, it's, it's got to be in the hundreds now. But if you, could ever, if you could ever corner him and inject him with some truth serum to find out why do you play football that way? Saturday night's game would be exhibit A. Because Iowa didn't really do anything great, but they also didn't do anything stupid. And that's why they won the game. They played the percentages for the most part. There was one time on a, on a third and short that they attempted to break tendency and go with a play action, and Nate Stanley's face got buried in the turf. All right? And so they, from that point on, they pretty much just went to, you know what, if you make more plays than us, if, if – you know, if, if you guys don't make mental errors and beat us, so be it. And, and that's why Iowa won the game. Uh, if you would have asked, which brings me to my second big thought, big time, or big picture thought, Darren did it again, sorry. My second big picture thought on the game, if you and I would have said here on, 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 on Thursday when we recorded our picks podcast, and if I would have told you, John, I went to the future, and uh, Iowa State's going to have 100-some-odd more yards. They're going to average nearly two yards a carry more. They averaged about 4.8. Iowa averaged three. So nearly two full yards per carry more than Iowa. And the yards per play differential was 3.39, meaning every time a ball was snapped, no matter who had the ball, Iowa State gained 3.39 yards. That's the kind of yards per play differential that Ohio State had against Indiana, just to put that in perspective. If I would have told you that Iowa State was going to have nearly two full yards a carry more and a plus 3.39 yards per carry, 
name the score. What do you think the score would have been on Saturday? I don't know, 31-17, something like that, you know, 24 mm-hmm. to 10. Yep. But a two-touchdown win, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you and because 98.5% of the time, that's gonna happen. It's really difficult to overcome a more than three yards per play differential in a game unless you're plus three or so in turnovers. And Iowa wasn't, they were plus two. And the first turnover wasn't a mistake. Uh, That was an Iowa defender making a play. Uh, The second one was an ultimate boneheaded play. And if if you're number two in Red's mama, make sure he's okay. Because Monday on campus is gonna be a rough day for, for, for your baby, all right? Because that, that was a boneheaded play of boneheaded plays. But Iowa never really generated much of, much of a pass rush. Um, kind of ran the ball at times. Really, I thought Nathan Stanley's best drive of the game might have been his, the very first drive. 15 plays, I think there were four or five third down conversions. Um, what do you have, 170, 180 yards passing? This over is not, 200, but it wasn't huge. You have over 200 at the end? Okay, 201. Okay. One. So um, it really just, this to me was a program win. Uh, you know, in, it, it's really difficult to keep your composure with everything you're up against in, 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 on a day like this. You mentioned all the delays, that environment, how hype the, the crowd was, the weather, everything else. I mean, every intangible in that game. Um, you know, you're, you're totally depleted in your secondary there, uh, it, or, or nearly depleted. You had, you, maybe your best player was there, but, you know, five or four of your top six guys in your depth chart in August were not there. So you're, you're depth depleted. You see a cluster injuries at a position where um, you're playing a Big 12 team and you know they're going to want to attack anyway. I mean, just, just every foreseeable intangible is against you. And really, I, I would say the only mistakes Iowa made in the game is I think the Iowa coaches just lost track of time in the first half with the long delay. Again. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but we've seen bad Iowa clock management. That's kind of a, you know, that's like a Ricky Stanty pick six a week, you know? <laughs> but but uh, this, this was not normal Iowa clock management. Like, I think they just, like, lost track of time. Just, like, forgot the clock was that far gone. It wasn't the start of the second quarter. There was already three minutes gone. And then I don't think you saw really Iowa make any errors in the game at all until their clock management at the end of the second half, where it looked like they were like, you know what, man, we got to do Matt Campbell a solid. He can't go over four here. So let's run a pass play to the, to the near side of the boundary. So likelihood of a tackle momentum carrying him out of bounds for a free timeout, that'll work. And then, you know, let's tack on some 10 yards of hidden yardage even before we punt. You know, and, and I mean, if I can only imagine what Iowa fans were thinking watching – those last three plays, Iowa's last four plays of the game were, before victory formation, were throw a pass instead of, of running out more clock or making Iowa State <clears throat> use a timeout and letting the guy get tackled out of bounds, then a delay a game, and then um, uh, a motion, and then a punt. Boy, most of the time, if your last three plays in a game or four plays in a game, when it's still contested, are those – you're not winning that game, <laughs> all right? So I can only imagine Iowa fans like, are you kidding me? But really, other than the, those two stretches, the end of the first half and then the end of the game, 
Iowa just kind of played its style of football and said to Iowa State, this is your night to prove to us you are a better football team. And in every way other than where it counts the most, Iowa State did. But since they didn't do it where it counted the most, they didn't. And that's a huge road win for Iowa. Um, should give them a lot of confidence going into uh, what they face now the rest of the season. And um, I don't know, you know, depending on is it a night game in Madison or not, who knows. But, I, I, you know, I don't know that they will face an environment or a level of intangibles that go against them in a particular setting greater than that. It's also a unique matchup. You don't see a lot of this style of football in the Big Ten. You know, they, they, we, we have Wisconsin's 3-4, but it's not quite the same as what Iowa State does. I, Iowa State's defense is heavily exotic. You know, Wisconsin runs the old, you know, zone blitz, angling linebackers defense, you know, that um, the Steelers have made uh, famous, really going back to Bill Cowher and now even into the Mike Tomlin era. What Iowa State does is more of a New England Patriots style of a 3-4 defense. It's just, there's not a scheme there. It's just multiple. I mean, they, they might line up in, the, in a three-man front. It might be a stack. They might line up in a three-man front. And depending on what they see you do uh, in line, just in, instead go to a bare front. I mean, they will, they will move in and out pre-snap. You know, we don't see a lot of that in the Big Ten. And then you don't see a lot uh, of, of quarterbacks – um, that when they have time, have the moxie and the accuracy uh, that Brock Purdy brings to the table as well. So um, that was a program win for Iowa. I, I thought that was a case of, hey, we're the big brother still. You prove to us that this is your year, and we'll give it up to you. And Iowa State just couldn't do it in the end. Yeah, I think that Iowa State's defense, and I tweeted about this early on in the game that I said that Iowa needed to run Nate Stanley and I, as crazy as that mm -hmm. sounds because Iowa state was dropping eight into an umbrella coverage. Whenever Iowa showed a one back set uh, or an empty, uh, the Iowa went five wide early, early on Iowa state dropped eight in the coverage. And I was like, they need to run Nate Stanley. And then they called a Nate Stanley draw that went for 14 yards. And then they didn't do it again until late. Both times it worked very, very well. Mm -hmm. yeah, because <clears throat> Nate Stanley's not going to see that type of coverage, as you mentioned, any other time in the season. Unless it's a, a late game prevent style of situation. And when you've got four receivers, because oftentimes when Iowa has the one back in and they have four wide, that one back stays in. So mm -hmm. in those instances, they had four receivers against eight defenders. That is tough. I mean, that's how, you know, when Nate completed that third and 22 on a rope, he did it against, in an, against an umbrella back end, somehow found an open space with Amir Smith-Marset. And Iowa went on to, I don't know if that was their touchdown drive or not, but they certainly scored uh, in the second half. So, yeah, it, that is a, I mean, that's one of the top three defenses they're going to play all season. Um, you can, you know, I think it's going to be Michigan and Penn State along with Iowa State as the three best defenses. Maybe you, you mix North, or Wisconsin in there rather. Well, then again, I just said Northwestern accidentally. Northwestern's got a great defense too. So by no means is Iowa not going to face a, a number of very, very good defenses. Iowa State is among the best 
and they're nearer the top than they are the middle of the good defenses that they're going to play. So as you mentioned, a, a very good win. And you talked about the, the play yards per play differential. Uh, Matt Benson, who is a must follow on Twitter. If you're an Iowa fan, he, I think he works for a statistics company. He, he's so much fun to follow. Um, his handle is at M Benson, B E N S O N. Then the number six at M Benson six. He retweeted your tweet from the Bigger Ten account where you said, Iowa beat a good team in the road despite a yards per play differential of minus 3.39. I doubt we'll see a Big Ten team win a road game with a number like that the rest of the season. And boy, were you right, because Benson said the last time a Big Ten won on the road while having a yards per play differential of minus 3.3 or worse was Indiana at Oregon in 2004. Wow. 15 years ago. Because one of your one of your fans asked me because it's the obvious question. Hey, well, how when was the last time? I only started tracking this last year for my handicapping metrics, you know. So I don't have any numbers prior to 2018, and it, it, it's good that somebody did because I would not have been able to go all the way back to 2004. That's that's crazy. I mean, and to put that number in perspective, that's pre Chip Kelly, Oregon too. You know, so that would have been mm-hmm. Oregon coming off the Joey Harrington area era mm-hmm. when they were still more of a pro-style offense. You know, I mean, that's 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 crazy. No one, like nowhere in college, no Big Ten team anywhere has done that. Wow, fifteen yeah. years. Fifteen years. That's incredible. Fifteen years, and when this is over, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind and give you a, to- a toy to play with. It's uh, Sports Reference and their play index. Man, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna love all the things and metrics you can put in there to find the last time since like. I don't know, 2000 that certain things happened because that's what the data they have. So you're going to have some fun with that. So it was rare. You were right. It was very rare. And yes, Brian Ferentz's call on, was it third and eight um, there before Iowa? You know, here, here's my series of tweets. I said, if Iowa doesn't get a first down, and I'm talking about Iowa's last meaningful possession before the victory formation. If Iowa doesn't get a first down, ISU is going to get the ball back with about a minute left and no timeouts and probably around their 20 or maybe inside their 20-yard line. And then I followed that up very quickly. I said, if Iowa runs the ball here on third down, because it seemed fait accompli that they would. And then my next tweet after the play that they ran to the tight end, who is at four yards depth with eight to gain and to the short side of the boundary. I said, my gosh, that's really bad. And then I said, then you take a delay of game, give up the five yards you just got that was worthless, <laughs> and you didn't stop the clock. It's just inexcusable. Yeah. And then seconds later, I said, LOL, and then that happens. Iowa makes a boneheaded play call and lucks out. And that's what happened. Because I don't know about you or other Iowa fans listening to this, but Brock Purdy – from the his own 20 with a minute 35 left and despite no timeouts considering that the clock stops in college um, for every first down and you can get out of bounds I wasn't feeling too good because what did he have to go there 30 40 50 yards they have a legit shot at a field goal mm-hmm. and a Sally's not bad so yeah that was uh, that was incredible and you're right Iowa didn't n- nothing from the game watching it really or certainly the statistics jumps out at you except Iowa going 10 of 19 on third downs 
Mm-hmm. That was really good. Iowa also ran over 70 plays, held Iowa State to 54. Iowa State might have been a victim of its own success on some of those quick strike, long play, uh, you know, long scoring plays. Uh, you know, the aforementioned third and 22 completion that Stanley had. Stanley didn't throw an interception, although he really tried hard a couple of times. Um, wasn't, wasn't a great game offensively by any stretch, and you're right. Iowa's defensive pass rush was mitigated. Iowa is on pace for 12 sacks this season. Three yeah, sacks through three games. That one's going to rear its head at some point. You in know, time. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that we're not seeing Epinesa keep up that pace. And, and you oh, and yeah, I sure. warned the fans all summer long that that, that prorating a guy's snaps when, when, he, when he gets to be fresh every week as a designated pass rusher, as opposed to you've got to play 50, 60 snaps a game now and we need you to hold the edge in the run too. It's not the same, but it didn't seem like – and was he the guy that drew the hold on Iowa State there at the end when they had the, the mutual penalties? I don't know. Did he, was the hold did – he, did he draw that at the end of the game? Do you know? When I don't Iowa know. When Iowa had the pass interference and there was a hold at the same time? Yeah, I don't know. Because unless he's the guy that drew the hold there – did it feel like he even played in that game on Saturday to you? We'll pause right here for a sponsor break. Be back shortly. You want to wake up and see the clock? Tired of contacts or glasses? LASIK eye surgery with Wolf Eye Clinic may be the life change you've been looking for. The first to perform LASIK in Iowa, more Iowans trust Wolf Eye Clinic specialists with their eyes. Call 833 532 8809 to schedule a free LASIK consultation with a Wolf Eye Clinic surgeon today. No, he had one hurry. I, I will say, and, and I've been going back through and watching the games, and I've been actually counting the number of times he was doubled. He was doubled more in the Rutgers game than he was the Miami game. And he was doubled and sometimes tripled more in the Iowa State game than he was in the Rutgers game. So he drew a lot of attention. Um, he had one hurry in this game, and he had one tackle in this game. And that was about it. Really, what I saw a lot of after play reconvened and the field was really wet was I saw Iowa's defensive lineman trying to bull rush Iowa state's offensive lineman back into the backfield as opposed to much of their twist stunt game, because when they were trying to run twists, they looked like they were on ice skates. And that's something that you tweeted about and something that Ed Podolak talked about during the break that said, when you have a wet field, it's going to slow down the pass rush and it's going to give receivers the advantage over the defenders because they know where they're breaking off their routes. And it's, he, he just talked about how difficult it is rushing the passer on wet turf. And while that turf held up exceptionally well, maybe as good as any field in the country could have because of Iowa State's you know, phenomenal grounds program they have there sorry for not using the proper nomenclature um it's an ag school yeah yeah yeah. they do 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 a fantastic job yeah but but it looked to me like i was it's almost like they were they, they stopped trying to stunt a lot and they were just trying to bull it up and trying to create some type of bubble in the pocket to throw Purdy off and and Phil Parker also then began to bring a little more pressure, which was a little terrifying considering how, how they had broken coverage twice, but he had to do something because he knew he wasn't going to get a pass rush with the front four. So hopefully we see the pass rush improve. And, And again, 
I don't think either of us expected the pass rush to be a huge factor in this game because Purdy isn't someone that holds on to the ball very long right. either. Right. So it, it was a great chess match. Um, when Iowa State, I don't, I don't, you've seen the video of uh, Matt Campbell, the the cam, a camera view that was focused on him. That's making the rounds on Twitter after the first touchdown. He had some, he was pretty hyped up with some uh, profanities like bleep yeah, which of course you would expect, given a nice stare down across the way, dude. He's hyped up. This is one thing so far that's not on his resume that he wanted really bad. And his mm-hmm. team looked really, really well prepared. And after the game, he took the blame for the details. I mean, he's a good coach. He's a good guy. Iowa State came in with the game plan. I don't think they adjusted it at all after the breaks. And by and large, they played the better game from an eye candy standpoint. But you're right. Iowa just didn't hurt itself. And they won the game. Well, you know, going into this game from an Iowa State perspective, when we analyzed them, we said, hey, where are the big plays? Because Mm -hmm. the box score against you and I didn't look like any of the other games Iowa State's ever nearly lost or lost to you and I. It it looked like most box scores do when you're a fringe top 25 team and you're playing an FCS team. Yeah, outgaining by a couple hundred yards and usually win like 38 to 10 or 38 to 14, something like that. But they didn't have anybody step forward and make that singular play. Well, they, had them, they found themselves the big plays in this game. And, and now what, what it really came down to for Iowa State was getting used to being in this scenario. Yeah, they were an underdog, but it was by only a point and a half or two, depending on where you look. They've actually been favored in this game all summer long. They were favored in the opening line. You, and... I think that's kind of the next hurdle for them to conquer now as a program uh, is the, they, they're not the plucky upstart anymore. They're on, they're on everybody's radar now. And, and I think um, losing your head like that, like they did on that punt return, um, those are the sorts of things that happen to you when you're, you're just not ready, quite ready yet for your moment to arrive. And when you look at, when you, when you look at these two teams and what awaits them now, Right now, you'd have to say you think the Big 12 is a better conference than the Big 10. Um, you've got Kansas State winning on the road at Purdue. And, yeah, Purdue is beleaguered. But, I mean, they, they just dominated that game pretty much from start to finish. And, and they still don't know who their quarterback is. They were still platooning and shuffling quarterbacks in and out of that game. You have, you have uh, Kansas State going on the road with a new coach winning at Mississippi State in – heated, oppressive uh, conditions down there. You have Jalen Hurts ran the ball for 99 yards on Oklahoma's first possession. And, and right now he is actually, you know, it's funny, the, Kyler Murray's stats are nearly identical, number for number, with, the, with what Baker Mayfield had last year. Hurts is on pace right now to surpass both of them, what he's doing. It's, it's crazy. Um, we saw how well Texas played against LSU and that was a game played at a very high uh, level. And we could go on. You know, Baylor's off to a good start. Kansas just had, in the history of the point spread database, which goes back to 1978, Kansas, this was their first road win since 2008. And in the history of the point spread database, Kansas just had the largest margin of victory for a road dog of 20-plus points or more in a game involving non-conference power five team, power conference teams ever, ever. 
All right, so I, I don't know, looking at the rest of Iowa State's schedule, Chuba Hubbard might be the best running back in America right now, not named Jonathan Taylor, and they play him for Oklahoma State. I, I don't, there's not a buy on that schedule. Maybe Texas Tech that didn't look great against Arizona, um, you know, the other night, but Iowa State plays that game on the road. You start looking at the rest of Iowa's schedule now, and some games we thought all summer long were really difficult. Aren't they? Northwestern looked that difficult? I mean, if you're an Iowa fan, you're thinking, dude, yes. Because right? they've had your number. I get that. But, you know, I don't know how good they are. I mean, I think their front seven on defense is really good. I don't know how good they are, though, anywhere else. Um, uh, you know, you st- the trip to Madison maybe looks tougher than you thought. But, you know, Iowa has only one, hasn't won there since 2005. So that's a tough trip no matter what. 2015. Who, who, 2015, you're right. When they drew, that was the first win since 05. Thank you. I'm sorry. Who has a freaking clue what condition Michigan's going to be? I mean, right. I, I, that's the, a big one. Yeah. The two weeks they've played, they, the, you know, Michigan has played one good quarter of offense out of eight, and the other seven left a lot to be desired. So, that could be a team that, you know, that's their breakout game. Or that could be a team that loses three games and then, like in November, just starts lighting people up when they figure it out. Who has a clue where they will be when Iowa plays them, you know, the first week of October? I, I don't know. You start looking at the schedules that these two teams play based on what we've seen the opening three weeks of the season. And it, it, I would have never said this. Nobody would have said this before the start of the year, but. I don't know what you think. It kind of looks to me like Iowa State's got the tougher slate the rest of the way. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think relative to Iowa's schedule, you know, the the game against Nebraska is also one that I probably dialed back a little bit. You're right. I probably would – I'd probably bump Wisconsin up a little bit more, and I've dialed the Michigan game back uh, a bit. Relative to my preseason expectations, right now Iowa's playing with a little house money. I, I had them at 8-4, and four, but I also had them losing this game at Iowa State, and they won that game. Um, yeah, I, Iowa State – you know, the thing about Iowa State, and, 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 and frankly, I, I want Iowa State to win the, win the rest of its games because I, I want for this series to continue to have gravity for both sides, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But I, I – Iowa State's playmakers in the running game don't know yet. Um, Milton and Petway certainly looked apart in the, in the passing game last night, but I don't think either of them can take over a game the way that Hakeem Butler did, and, and they don't have a David Montgomery. So I don't know, but their defense, I do know this, their defense is going gonna, is gonna to keep them in a lot of games. We'll pause right here for a sponsor break. Be back shortly. Want to work part-time hours and make $14.50 an hour? Perishable Distributors of Iowa, PDI, a high V company, they're hiring immediately for their warehouse located in Ankeny. Part-time warehouse selectors build their own schedule. They offer year-round part-time employment working evenings and weekends. Starting wage of $14.50 per hour plus opportunities for incentives. Apply online today at contactpdi.com. If you like a flexible schedule, being physically active in a fast-paced environment where you're rewarded for the hard work you do, this is the job for you. Apply today at contactpdi.com. Patrick Vint of Go Iowa Awesome, he, he tweeted some, some points out on Sunday that I want to bring up. Now, I, I, in my, at the end of my podcast last night, I talked about how I thought Iowa State absolutely crushed 
game day. They did a phenomenal job. The Iowa State fans, the positioning of the stage with the big Iowa State University in the background. I mean, it was a three-hour commercial for Iowa State. Couldn't have been any better for them. They were the epicenter of the college football universe. It was fantastic. Matter of fact, I don't know that Iowa could pull off something like that because they couldn't get that proximity to Kinnick Stadium maybe unless they did it on the baseball field. But I said that, you know, back in 2017, I took some heat from Iowa State fans because I was still of the opinion then that I pretty much didn't care if this game was played anymore because Iowa had everything to lose and nothing to gain. And then Iowa State the last two seasons has won eight games per season. Iowa State has had a number of upsets of top 10 opponents the last couple of years. Iowa State has advanced the brand of their football program exponentially the last two years to where they were in a position to be able to host game day. And it doesn't matter if there weren't all that many attractive games around the country. They still chose to come to Ames, Iowa. And by and large, that's because of the work that Iowa State has done within their program and elevating it. And by all means, given that Iowa State has done that, I'm all for playing the game because I thought Iowa beating Iowa State in Ames on a day when ESPN game day was there was going to be a valuable win. And it may be, it may be at some point in time, if Iowa takes care of business when we and, and, and if the college football playoff rankings actually matter to Iowa later this season and the AP poll doesn't really matter other than makes you feel good. It's something many of us grew up with and it had more prestige and import once upon a time, certainly in the BCS era. And before that, even during the mythical championship days, You'd still rather be ranked higher than not. And I would have thought that Iowa win over Iowa State in Ames on a day like yesterday would have been more worth more than moving from 19 to 18. But it wasn't. Iowa moved up from 19 to 18. And I realized that only one ranked team ahead of them lost, which is the reason why they moved to 18, because that's where Michigan State was last week. But Utah, as Patrick pointed out, moved up after beating Idaho State. They moved over someone that was ranked ahead of them, and the team ranked ahead of them didn't lose. And Wisconsin moved up a spot, and they were idle. Iowa wins at Iowa State, and the only reason they moved up a spot is because Michigan State lost ahead of them. Now, I still am for this game being played, and I probably say that easier now because I don't live there anymore and I don't have to deal with all the rig rigmarole, and I avoided almost all of it this week online, and I was the better for it. But, man, Steve, for those that don't like playing this game because it feels like Iowa has everything to lose and nothing to gain, I, I don't know. What do you think of all that? So this, this, this particular game, this rivalry, uh, for me in, a, in my career has giveth and taketh away. Yeah. All right. So, you know, if I was stated one last night, I was going to cash a $500 money line underdog parlay at William Hill because I had BYU, I had Air Force, uh, and I had, um, uh, there was another underdog that went straight up that I had uh, that, I'm trying to remember who it was now, and I can't. But, I'll, pull, uh, I'll pull it up on your text, and I'll say it in a second. Yeah, and but it, Iowa State was the last one I was waiting on. 
Temple. And then, Temple, thank you. I had Temple, Air Force, and BYU all went on the money line. I needed Iowa State. Um, and I'm actually taking it pretty well. In fact, I had forgotten about that until we just started having this conversation. Well, what would you wager? 15 bucks to win 500. Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if you wagered 200 to win 500, I'd be sure. taking that less than well. Yeah, it's, it's not quite the opportunity cost. You're right. <laughs> on the other hand, on the other hand, even though this game, this rivalry cost me 500 bucks in opportunity cost last night, a lot of whatever you think my career is now is because of this rivalry. Because when I moved here and I was given a chance to do my own local show, and, you know, when I moved here, you know, growing up, I, I came into Michigan and Ohio State after the 10-year war and before the era we have now of, of the, the era of our beleaguerment as Michigan fans. We haven't beaten them for real in 15 years. I don't even count the 2011 win because Ohio State had an interim coach. I don't even count that, right? So when, in my childhood, Iowa was our big rival. You had the number one versus number two game. You had the game the next year that uh, Mike Gillette made the field goal for Michigan on the last play to beat Iowa in 86. Um, you had the tie in 1988. Uh, you know, you had uh, – I, I was at the game in 1990 at the big house as a high school senior when Michigan had the ill-fated two-point conversion and Iowa got out of there with a win and they hokey pokey their way out off the old AstroTurf there at uh, Michigan stadium. I mean, for me and for, for my age group, Iowa was the big game. So I moved here hating Iowa because they were the big game. So much of my family, I was born here. Most of my family lives here in Iowa. Still, we come back and visit them. So when I would come back and visit from Michigan, you know, at Christmas break or Thanksgiving or in the summertime, what, how, what did I ever hear? Only hear. Stuff about Iowa. Um, when I first, you know, uh, started talking publicly about my faith, I'd have, you know, I'd go to church, and and if you know those two years in a row where Iowa beat Michigan on the field in 02 and 03, and it, I mean it was brutal. I just it was literally like a swarm, pun intended, of uh, of, uh, of of you know um, Hawkeye fans. It's like I, they didn't realize I went to this church until they beat Michigan. Now that's all they want to talk about. So it's into this environment that I move here and I get a job doing sports talk radio for three hours. And I don't care about what happens to either one of these teams. Well, you're not going to have a really good career if you don't care about the subject matter as much as your audience does. And you know me, we're both the same where this is concerned. I can't contrive anything. Even if I try, I can't. Like I tried giving up being a Lions fan once to become a Rams fan out of admiration for Kurt Warner. And I really tried to do it. It lasted like two weeks. I'm like, I can't do it. I gotta go back to the thing on the Lions. I can't, I can't fake anything. So I realized I wasn't going to be able to pull a Marty Terrell and just contrive something that I don't believe. I was going to have to, uh, I, I, it could be a shtick. It was going to have, I, I was going to have to come up with some angle that I cared about. And this is even before Cyclone Nation came about, which I only got that gig because you told Scout about me. That's how I got it. So let, even, let everybody know that what Dace just said, ruminate on that for a bit. So just so you know, I actually did something for Dace as opposed to him doing everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I've got to figure out how am I going to care about this? And 
I realized I don't care about what happens to either one of these teams. I didn't grow up here, but I just freaking love college football. And I love rivalries. And I love needling and pestering people. So put all those three things together. And whatever nastiness exists in the Iowa State rivalry today, there's a few reasons for this. One is Iowa State's gotten a lot better, so it's competitive when it wasn't for so long. And then I'm on that list probably somewhere. Now, it might be like at the bottom, but on a list of things that made this rivalry angrier, and, and it, 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 my show, my old show would be on that list. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I'm not just saying that because you're a friend of mine. I, you know, if I disagreed, I would tell you, I, I agree. You're somewhere on the list. You're, you're probably not at the top, but you're, you're, you're in there. And the reason being is I, I, I built a sports talk radio career out of Eddie Haskelling this year round. The device, and, and it was the perfect time and place to do it because McCarney's program was just beginning to ascend. And Dan and I shared a birthday. We were good friends. Um, and, and locally. Kirk came to your house. Yeah. I went to his and Kirk was just coming in and Kirk and I got to, got to get along really well as well. And, and Kirk and Dan were really good friends. So they understood the rivalry and even, even some of the showmanship aspect of it, you know, kind of like all we heard this last week is how much Pitt and Penn State hate each other. And James Franklin can't stand Pat and Arduzzi. Did you watch that video before the game Saturday where they're standing out there joking and slapping five and shaking hands like buddies? Remember, some of this is pro wrestling, guys. As the great prophet Snoop Dogg once said, this show business. All right, they understand they're selling tickets to okay? And so you throw all those three things in, and I'm doing three hours a day in Des Moines. And I, I built my initial radio career out of Eddie Haskling, this rivalry, meaning provoking you two to fight each other. And we came up, you know, with the, I don't even remember what it's called now, that stupid tote board I used to have that yeah, the crests, okay? The, the misery the, index or the something. The Cyhawk off-season misery index, but there's more words to it. Yes. I still, John, will have guys will come up to me and say, hey, do you remember when you, John Miller, and B.J. Shaven did that play-by-play oh on my gosh. Yes. Iowa, Iowa State football game? <laughs> I, I, he goes, I know I'm in, I'll have men sit, guys say to me, I know I'm, I know I'm a loser, but I stayed in my car that afternoon when I got home from work and made the kids wait inside because I wanted to see how that thing played out. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, I, I, this rivalry, you know, I, I get <coughs> frustration and stuff around it. It, I helped whatever part I played in it. Like it, it, it might be 1%, it might be 10, but I played some percentage part in this. And, and so I love the rivalry and, and all the frustration that goes along with it. And then I got involved heavily at Iowa State, made a lot of really good friends there, um, and still have a lot of good friends there. And I was rooting for them in, in the game on Saturday. But then I've lived here now for over, for over 20 years. And I don't, uh, there's ne- you're never going to catch me wearing anything Hawkeye related. It's just never going to happen. I can't contrive that. But the old animosity that I used to have for them in my childhood is kind of gone. I just know, I, I know and care about too many people who love Iowa too much like you. And so my, my personal stance on the Hawkeyes is, is as long as it didn't get in the way of what I want my teams to do, I, I, hope, it, I hope you guys really enjoy rooting for your teams. You know, I don't have, so I, I kind of have mellowed on this, but, but I bring all of that up to say, I think overall, I don't know how you could make an argument that it's not great for the state of Iowa. And 
you know, I'm, you know, I've had this stance when it comes to firing coaches. I think if you're a, if you're a paying member of a fan base, unless your coach has done moral turpitude, it's not anybody in the media's job to tell you whether you should want your coach fired unless they're a paying fan. Okay. And I'm, I'm similarly, it's not my job to tell each school who they're, what their, you know, what, what their particular expectation level is. I will say this just strictly from an, so does it hurt Iowa's chances to get to the playoff? Is Iowa, even in any of those conversations, I'll let, you know, fans that pay the freight and cry the tears when the team loses, that's you guys' job to figure that out. Here's what I will tell you analytically. The AP poll has negative integers bearing on what the college football playoff committee is going to say the first Tuesday in November. Negative integers. Also, you know, the old AP poll notion of you win, you go up. If you lose, you go down. That, that doesn't happen in the college football playoff rankings at all. And they, they reverse engineer those things every single week. Right. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cancel the rivalry because you only moved up by one spot in the AP poll. Right. <laughs> all right. right? Yeah. That, that's a little short-sighted from an analytical standpoint. Okay. Um, but um, – if you want reasons that not to play the game, I don't have a lot of them, frankly. I mean, right. you know, um, a few years ago when we had these conversations and Iowa State was struggling in its program off the ground, I was kind of like, dude, don't play Iowa. Play, you know, Iowa Westland. Get to six wins. Who cares? You know, but if, if the programs can both do what they did Saturday with the audience that they had on Saturday to do it, and you're turning, you know, Chamber of Commerce turnstiles in Iowa City and Ames for, um, for visitors and commerce. And I, I, I don't know why we put that gift horse in the mouth. Now, if the Iowa State program falls back on hard times, it, that's not going to happen as long as Jamie is there. That doesn't mean if, when, when and if Matt leaves, the next coach will be great. You know? But you and I both know Jamie well enough to know that if he makes a bad hire, it won't be because they settled. It'll be because he swung for the fences like Gene Chizik. It didn't work out, and he'll work his out. He 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 care. He's built too much of a of an athletic department there. They're never going to go back to where they were with the white chocolate triple option and Jim Walner and you know the high school stadium. That those all those days are gone. But but if you and I are wrong about that, and it does get to the point that hey, if now you know. If you don't think Iowa's involved in a 14 playoff, I certainly think they'd be in a conversation for an 18 playoff. You're ranked number 18 right now, you'd be in the conversation for an 18 playoff. And when that era comes of the Iowa State program, you know, Jamie Pollard is gone and an athletic director arises, you know, a fair arises who knows not Joseph and doesn't really seem to care and isn't nearly as competitive as Jamie Pollard is. So I was telling you the other night, I, you know, Jamie Pollard, I know, was never canceling that game, man. Not when they had the ball with the lead. Never. I mean, it, it didn't matter if, if Moses had to go out there with a staff, part the waters on the field, and let go all, and Gandalf had to scream, you shall not pass. Jamie was going to make sure that game got played Saturday night. That's how he rolls. Now, if another AD gets there and they kind of go back to being the Iowa State they were in the 80s and 90s from a mindset standpoint and they tank, then and, and now we're in an 18 playoff era, and that is a realistic goal, I think, for Iowa's program uh, to, to be in a race like that, then you might have a different thought when that time comes. 
And then you'll have to take that up probably with your legislature, would be my guess. But um, until that time, I, I don't know why we would not want that commercial for the, for the state of Iowa. I, I don't know what's yeah. bad about We'll pause right here for a sponsor break. Be back shortly. Hey, Hawkeye Nation, right now at Flooring America, save store-wide on beautiful, long-lasting floors like high-performance Resista carpets and waterproof luxury vinyl. Plus, buy with 36 months, interest-free financing now at Flooring America in Clive, Ankeny, and Mason City. Yeah, and we're and I thought Patrick brought up some just interesting points relative to this poll, but as I tweeted, I mean, out, listen, the AP poll has Washington ahead of Cal. Right, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we just had a major weather delay game in college football two weeks ago. You know what game it was? Cal at Washington. Who won the game? Cal. Right. So the AP poll is an irrelevant construct for the, for the way the season determines. It's relevant. The only thing the AP poll, AP poll provides right now is it's a talking point for media, for guys that do what we do, and for fans to have some kind of benchmark, but it will have no bearing on what the committee does. There's plenty of flaws with the college football playoff committee. You and I have discussed those ad nauseum, but just going rope by what the AP poll says is not one of them. So, so I look at it as, is this, is this a series worth playing relative to impacting Iowa's likelihood of being in the mix for the CFP? And right now, as the CFP stands, it's four teams. So I look back, you know, we're 21 years into Kirk Ferentz's era. There have been just two seasons where Iowa was legitimately in the last week of the season in the CFP conversation, and that was – in 2015, where if they would have beaten Michigan State, they would have been the fourth seed in the CFP and gotten drubbed by Alabama. And in 2002, they may have been one of the top four teams. Uh, you know, maybe it's USC, Iowa, Miami, and Ohio State. But that's two out of 21 years. And thinking back through the Hayden Fry era, if the CFP was there, maybe two years then as well. So it's not like I was missing out on opportunity after opportunity in a 14 playoff world, even retroactively applying it to history. Now, if they get to eight different story, but we're not there yet. So given all the juice that that game had and the fun that people had during the week leading up to it and the hundred thousand plus people that are in Ames or Iowa city every year, and those stadiums hold less than 70,000, I don't see how you can't play it. So it's contracted through 2025 anyway, so that's all moot. All right, Iowa goes into the bye. Uh, they played this game without one of their potential first-round NFL offensive tackles in Alaric Jackson. Hopefully he will be ready to play after the bye when Iowa plays against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, just to get some rust off before they go up to Ann Arbor. Hopefully Iowa's secondary gets healthy. And, Steve, I looked up the numbers last night. Um, there have been four other instances in the Kirk Ferentz era, and there were also four only in the Fry era, where an Iowa team began the season 4-0. and In three of those four instances in the Ferentz era, Iowa wound up winning 10 or more games. Hmm. So a pretty decent harbinger if Iowa can get to 4-0 should they beat Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they, you know, history's on their side. But history doesn't wear a chin strap, as I like to say. We're all about this season. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.